Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. All right, folks, it's a midweek episode here and a little bit of a special episode. Obviously, we've talked NBA before, but now I want to get into a little bit more depth with someone who has a little bit more knowledge than myself. Nick McVicker joined all the way from Edmonton by the host of the All Hustle podcast and a friend of the show personally, Bowen Asman. How are you doing today, Bowen? I'm doing great. How are you, Nick? I'm good. Happy to talk some basketball, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I've been watching basketball pretty much ever since the playoffs started. Of course, the NBA had to do a thing where they have every game on, and then right after another, another game starts, and right after another, another game starts. And then I'm tired, and I wake up the next morning and start all over again. So can't complain too much. Absolutely not. And, I mean, you get these great games earlier in the day, especially you out west. You get some of these early games even earlier than we would. So mm-hmm. it's, it's easy just to watch 12 hours of sports nowadays. Uh, hockey's slowed down a little bit for the rest of the hockey fans, but NBA's still going strong, so it's nice to see. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, first rounds, a lot of them are already done. Second rounds are going to be coming, and we'll look ahead to those as well after we look at the first rounds. And the newest news is the possible boycotting of games from the NBA teams after the Jacob Blake incident in Wisconsin, and we will talk about that at the end. But I want to get your thoughts on the first round. Players who surprised you, series that may have gone a little bit longer or a little bit shorter than you thought. So why don't we start in the West? Was there any series that you were a little bit surprised with, Bowen? Well, uh I definitely was surprised at the Nuggets and the Jazz. Uh, I had the Nuggets in, I believe, five or six. I thought the loss of Boyan Bogdanovich for the Jazz was kind of going to be insurmountable as he was their number one scoring option. But to me, it's been the most exciting series. I've been watching Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell go back and forth, just absolutely annihilating the rim, having just killing it. It's been so much fun to watch them score. But I have been a little bit disappointed in the Nuggets and how long they it's taken them to adjust to some of the systems that Jasmine been running. It's pretty much been a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, high pick and roll, Mitchell attack, kick out, he'd become a very good passer, or Mitchell drive and finish because he has this explosive finishing ability. And to me, it just took the Nuggets a little bit too long to finally clue into what was happening, even though it was pretty much a simple play. Um, Nuggets did claim game five uh, yesterday. as Jamal Murray just went absolutely just insane in the last couple of minutes, despite being defended by three different, uh, three different jazz players. So while I do think there's a chance for the Nuggets to advance, I have the jazz now just based upon how the games have been, have been played. But to me, that's been the most fun series. Uh, Lakers, Portland, kind of similar to what I expected. Portland came out performing good. They've just simply ran out of gas. Damian Lillard's not going to play uh, the game, the next game, I get game five. So that one's kind of what I was expecting. 
uh, Clippers, Mavericks. It's been interesting. I mean, Luka Doncic, Doncic magic. We all kind of watched that game winner, the double bang call by Mike Breen, you know, first time since like 2016 <laughs> that that happened. He's been carving up that defense. The Clippers don't look quite as good as I expected moving in. I thought they were the perennial title favorites. Um, and yeah, Luka Doncic has kind of risen to the superstar level as potentially top five player in the league now. So oh, that's been really fun. Yeah, that's been really fun to watch. And Rockets Thunder to me has been the second most exciting series. Uh, Rockets took the first two games. Thunder took the next two. Russell Westbrook hasn't played yet. He's may play tonight in game five. We'll have to see. But that's been really fun to watch. You have a really clutch offense in the, in the Oklahoma City Thunder against just a team that will just shoot threes until they die in the Rockets. So I hope that series goes five. Those two series of Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, Thunder, uh, by far have been the, the most fun ones that I've watched. No, it's, it's been fun to watch those series. And uh, I like that you mentioned Mitchell, um, Murray, and Doncic. They're the only three players to score more than 40 points in a game so far in the playoffs. They've each done it twice. And the even crazier wow. stat, they've each done it once in a win and once in a loss. Wow, great stat. <laughs> It's just random. It was something that I was looking up. I was trying to get as much knowledge before I came into this show with you. Um, what have you seen from Jamal Murray in those games that has really stood out? Obviously, I'm going to push a little CanCon here. He's he's really risen up in this series at, to a level that I don't think a lot of people expected from him necessarily coming into the playoffs. But he has that ability to be a game breaker. What have you seen so far in the playoffs that has allowed him to put up the points that he has? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I think initially at the start of the season, he signed that five-year, $170 million contract extension, yeah. which is a lot of money. And you've had some critics kind of say that he doesn't deserve that much. And I think you're seeing now the best, the best that Jamal Murray hat can be has been in, these, in this playoff series, and he's lived up to that contract extension. I mean, the last two games, he's had zero turnovers. I believe 90-some odd points. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he's been I believe. There you go. And yeah, no turnovers. Uh, he's been really clutch. That I think has been the biggest takeaway in all those games coming down to the wire, regardless if the Nuggets win or lose, he's been clutch making every big shot. Clutch doesn't necessarily mean that you have to win that game. It means to be in those tight moments underneath like four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you step up and you make big plays. And that's what he's been doing in lieu without Gary Harris and um, Will Barton, who have been really good wing defenders. It was really interesting to watch because Royce O'Neal, the, uh, the wing on the Jazz, who has perennial been their defensive stopper. You put him on the other opposition's best wing to, to kind of stop their yep. scoring. He got absolutely lit up by Jamal Murray last game. They put Joe Ingles on him. He lit him up. And then they had to put Donovan Mitchell on Jamal Murray. So three different defenders cooked them cooked each and every single one of them his playmaking ability has really risen because obviously when you're with the best passing big men in the world it's definitely going to help you so their pick and roll has been really really good and yeah just jamal murray's shot making ability i'm sure you've seen his 360 degree layup he did yesterday which yep. was so mm. majestic and graceful it was <laughs> unbelievable to think and uh in uh in my all hustle pod with my other co as we discussed that He's probably the best Canadian player right now. And if you're in a clutch game with him for Team Canada, there's no one else on that team who I would want to have the ball besides him because he steps up in these big moments. 
No, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And it's uh, it's nice to see the Canadian content doing so well. He really mm-hmm. did have to step up because I know Jokic, the first two games of the series, didn't look as clean as he had necessarily in the regular season. He sort of got back to his normal game, which is great. Obviously, when you have a pass making big like Jokic is, it's a huge help to all the wingers. So he gets the opportunity, Murray does, to just not necessarily have to be the go-to facilitator. He can also be just a scorer in games, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any other players in the West that have sort of maybe surprised you how well they've played in this playoff series so far? I mean, yeah, obviously, Luka Doncic. I mean, that's kind of clear. He's risen it up a level. But, um, you know, Paul George has had a very poor start, and he's finally kicking it up. And I think when he's performing like he did the other night, 35 points, that makes the Clippers virtually unstoppable, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, the Rockets Thunder series to try to pinpoint a player, it's been really difficult because James Harden, James Harden hasn't looked as good as he should, but I have been really impressed with, uh, another Canadian because we're going full, full Canada here, <laughs> uh, Lugens Dort. He's the undrafted, undrafted rookie out of Arizona state. Yep. He has been absolutely amazing. He is massive. He's built like a brick. And he's taking the task of guarding James Harden to heart. I mean, he missed the first game, which was a loss. And ever since then, he's done very well against him. I mean, obviously, you're not going to hold him to under 10 points or anything. But if you have a guy that big that you can put on him for pretty much the duration of the, of the game and you're having Thunder wins after, afterwards, I mean, it's kind of been the player they've been looking for. They've always had a struggle of finding that 2-3 three and D player yeah. while his three has struggled again. He's a rookie undrafted free undrafted an undrafted rookie. And he signed a, uh, a good, really team friendly deal with him. I'll just pull it up quickly here, but to keep him on the, on the thunder for a couple more years. Yeah. It was a four year, $5.4 million deal, which I mean, great. You're getting him for virtually you're getting him less than $2 million for four years on a guy who's locking up James Harden. That's a no brainer. So yeah, he's he's really (laughs) great. Absolutely. So he's making noise and I can't wait to see him on team Canada along with Jamal Murray. Yeah. There's been some huge games from Canadians. You mentioned Dort. You can also throw out uh, Gilchrist Alexander. He's played, he's played not necessarily fantastic in the playoffs, but he's had some big moments as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nice to see the Canadians uh, really showing out in playoff games where five years ago, do we really have that many showing out? Not, not really. It's just nice to see this new wave of Canadian players doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's flip over to the East. And as we talk, three, game, three series are done. And the fourth one will not be concluded today, unfortunately, as we just found out that the Milwaukee Bucks have boycotted. And again, we'll get into that uh, a little bit further in the show. But Miami, Toronto, Boston are all into the next round. Which team surprised you the most at how they played and what are you looking for or what did you see in the first round that really impressed you? Miami. Uh, Miami looks unbelievable. Um, Now, granted, of course, they're playing a Pacers team without their best player and they're also this year in in Sabonis. So you didn't really expect a whole lot. But the fact that Pacers got handily swept from the Heat and the Heat had contributions from so many other players – it's been great to see. Uh, 
eventually when the Bucks make it past the Magic, whenever they play the <laughs> game five here, they're going to give them a run for their money because not only do they have one of the best coaches in the league in Eric Spolstra, they are deep. They have Jimmy Butler, who's playing the best of his ability. You have a five in Bam out of bio who can guard pretty much for the positions on the court. And you're getting great contributions from a rookie in Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson has been absolutely on fire from three. Goran Dragic has re- re- rekindled his, his uh, flamethrower shooting ability. And so he's looked really good. Uh, the Miami, yeah. And the Heat beat the Pacers so bad, the Pacers fired their coach, Nate McMillan, which actually happened this morning. So to me, yeah, it's been Miami. Um, I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see them play a higher caliber team and a team that can actually score the basketball because the Pacers have always struggled with that. Sure. And it'll be an interesting chess match to see Mike Budenholzer, who has struggled with playoff matchups and game management in the past up against a really good tried tried and true veteran in the playoffs in Eric Spolcha as their head coach. Um, and then Raptor Celtics, no surprise. This is going to be an absolutely, absolute bloodbath in this, in this semis. I can't wait to watch it. And I think the winner of the Rap Celtics will probably will, will be in the NBA finals. So I like it. That, that was my prediction too. I had that from the beginning. I was a little surprised at how fast the Celtics were able to dismantle the 76ers only because the 76ers roster is better than how they perform. And I, I've been saying that for years. I don't think it was necessarily the coach's fault. I just think that there's too many type A personalities in that locker room to work together. Like you're, you're never going to get Joel Embiid and Simmons to be able to play together. But four games yeah. was a dismantling by this Celts team, and they look really good heading into that second round against the Raps. Um, the Raptors pulled off their first sweep in franchise history as well. Obviously, the Kyle Lowry injury in game four is something that is going to be talked about until they play game one against the Celts. Uh, how big of a loss would that be if he doesn't play game one? Yeah, it'd be, it would be massive. Um, the only silver lining is you have a point guard who's arguably playing better than him in Fred Van Vliet right now. So while it'll be a big loss in game one, I don't think it'll make that big of an impact in the scheme of the whole series as he would hopefully be back in towards game two or three. But if he misses multiple games, yeah, you have your veteran, your heartbeat, your soul of your team out for a couple of games. That's going to play a big impact. And just quickly on um, that Celtic Sixers series, had Brent Simmons have played, uh, I was expecting like one of the most fun first round series just based on yeah. star power between the two teams. But it was just a absolutely lifeless performance from the Sixers. Joel Embiid had no help. I mean, there was just discussions throughout the whole um, the whole series about just how poorly this roster was constructed. And they kind of deserve to bow it in for, but don't take anything away from the Celtics and how they played. I no. mean, without Gordon Hayward, they're getting their contributions from the players that they need. Jason Tatum has reached his star peak his star level uh Jalen Brown has performed well Kemba Walker who I think will be the x-factor in that Celtics Raptors series if he's performing and he's putting up 20 points and leading the offense as 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 the lead guard then the Raptors will be in a lot of trouble oh I I agree I think this Celtics team is very dangerous we saw it in the regular season they they won the season series against the Raps 3-1 right like Mm -hmm. they're not a pushover they were only one of three teams in the entire league that won two games off of the Raps all season and they won three. So 
it, and it, some some big big blowouts too. Yeah. Well, I feel like every game in this series is going to be a blowout. I know that sounds ridiculous. It's just the way these two teams go. When mm-hmm. one team is on, they're just that much better than the other team. And so you're going to see 10, 15 point wins in this series, I think. And they're going to alternate back and forth. <laughs> um, the Milwaukee Bucks obviously lost a game against the Orlando Magic. Game one. Sound familiar, Raptors fans? Yeah. Uh, and since have won three straight. Uh, what have you made of this series? Is it Was it just a one-game blip? Or is there something bigger going on in Milwaukee that we need to watch out for? Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people might think that it's just, you know, a blip. But I think it kind of showed some of the holes that that Bucks team has. I mean, for me, it's... It was, it showed me a lot. It showed that, I mean, I fully still don't trust Chris Middleton as a number two guy on offense. He's had some good performances against the Magic recently. But as you saw last last season, when they bowed out in six to the Raptors, he didn't perform well. Right. And this year, I mean, yes, he was an all-star, but I think he was an all-star only because the Bucs were the number one team in the, in the league at that point. Um, and I... I mean, their depth is in, is okay. I'm still worried about Giannis, Giannis shooting the three and his foul shooting because I know Celtics or Raptors with these two awesome coaches and Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens are going to plan to let him shoot the three as much as possible. Right, and when, if he shoots, <laughs> Yeah, and if he shoots eight to ten threes a game, I mean, chances are not a lot of them are going to go in and that's going to be a win for the Raptors or Celtics. So... Again, we're going to have to see how Mike Budenholzer makes those adjustments if they get down. Let's say they're down 2-1 in the series. I mean, that's going to be a big indictment on him if he can't perform and they bow it again. Yeah, if they bow it again in the, in the third round. But first, of course, they have to get through the Miami Heat, and that's going to be another interesting series. I was just going to bring another, up. Yeah, with another good coach. So, But, I mean, it's Giannis. We all know he's the best player in the league. He's probably gonna he's gonna win the MVP as Annie won the Defensive Player of the Year the other day. So you can't count him out. But I am a little shaky on their on their chances going forward. Yeah, I think I think it's the same thing that we saw last year. And they they have a good roster, but they have that's the problem is that they have a good roster. It's not it doesn't seem to be enough around Giannis to get past these strong teams like the Raps, like the Celts. And let's say they manage to get into the final, they would have to play someone like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nuggets or the Jazz, right? You're seeing those type of teams, which are complete teams. They have pretty much everything. Um, the Bucks just haven't got all five positions totally locked down by the looks of it. And it's and it shows. So they can try to put as much through Giannis as they want. But to get to get past these big teams, you got to have a full roster. And it just doesn't seem like they have that right now. And... Yeah, I mean, I've never been a Eric Bledsoe playoff fan. I mean, he got absolutely torched two years ago against Terry Rozier on the Celtics. Right. Um, and having him as your lead point guard, I mean, that doesn't give me a lot of faith. I mean, I'd rather trust any of the other guys the Celtics and the Raptors throw out yeah. in that position. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, Brooke Lopez has looked good. His three-point shooting has fallen off a cliff a little bit. And if he's not going to be able to shoot on those pick-and-pops with Yanis... That's a problem. Wesley Matthews has been he he's been a good player, but I mean, again, and then in your bench you have Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and Grant Hill. Grant Hill has been a tried and, and true playoff veteran, but I don't know if I trust Pat Connaughton in those situations, along yeah. with the second year DiVincenzo, who hasn't had a lot of opportunities to play big minutes, and he may be thrust in 
specific roles, especially if Eric Bledsoe isn't going to be playing as much. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, we can always look forward to that series with the Heat as a uh, barometer to see how yeah. this Bucks team is. Because I think that Heat team is, while they don't necessarily have any super superstars, um, that Jimmy Butler, the way Jimmy Butler's playing right now and the way that they have Tyler Hero playing, and as you mentioned, like all of the players, they're playing really well and they have a good roster to go around. It's going to be a barometer to see if the Bucks are ready to go up against the Raptors and the Celts. Yeah, and a big thing, key I'm going to look for is Bam Adebayo. I think he's going to guard Giannis a lot, and that's going to be a good test on him. I mean, Absolutely. he's played phenomenally this year so far. He's kind of a do-everything big guy, and his defense has been great. So to see this Yanis Bam and how, how these coaches plan around that, it's going to be really interesting. And yeah, it's going to be fun. One, one problem I could see with the Heat is that they have, while the depth is a good thing, in many playoff games, a lot of teams would only play seven to eight players because right. that's the only amount of people who you trust. And if you're kind of getting down into gut check time and you have 10, 11 guys, how is Eric Spolster going to, um, how, like, how is he going to spread out the minutes? And let's say Tyler Hero has a bad game. Are you going to instantly yank him and go towards kind of more of a steadier hand? Or are you going to stick with him? How are those scenarios going to work? Because while depth is a good thing, some ways it may bite you because you don't know who your eight guys are. And sometimes that's important to have your best guys on as long as possible, especially in, in the playoffs and especially in elimination games or, or games of, the, of that nature. No, I, I agree 100%. And I think that's the that's what the Heat are at right now is that they're like almost in that true competitor or co contender category. They're just not quite there because they don't have that rotation knocked down completely down to the seven or eight like we, you mentioned. So that's why I say it's going to be a good barometer. Um, if they can't get by the Heat, then they wouldn't have stood a chance against the Raps and Celts is pretty much what I've been saying. So Yep. Um, and if they can't get by the Heat, Budenholzer's gone in my opinion. So... But we'll see. So is Giannis, right? But uh, yeah, uh, easy. That's a, <laughs> that opens up a whole another can of worms for sure. And when the off season comes, we'll have you right back on to talk about that. <laughs> oh, geez, that would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this year, regardless of how far they go. What changes are made if they don't end up winning a championship? Because obviously they're they're almost there, and they need to do something. So yeah. Um. That'll do it, I guess, for our review and sort of preview for the second round matchups um, that we already know about. The West is kind of still open for two of the series, or all th uh, three out of the four series, I should say. The only one that sort of looks like it's done is the is the Lakers-Portland. Let's yeah. get into the um, boycotting a little bit. And you mentioned it right before the show, and I hadn't actually seen this, but the Milwaukee Bucks have decided to boycott Game 5. As we speak, they were supposed to be playing. Um, and the Raptors and the Celts are also talking about doing the same thing. You had some great comments before about the decisions being made by the players. Uh, do you want to just re-air those, I guess? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I know we kind of heard rumblings of this boycott potentially happening, but it would have been with the Celtics and the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet had a – he made – he had some really good comments – um, about this situation and Nick Nurse has even said things that a lot of these players they actually just want to go home and I think the core of the issue um, in my opinion is that they came to the bubble 
and they're just supposed to focus on basketball. And initially, a lot of the players were angry because of all this social, racial inequity that was occurring around the world. And now that another shooting, unfortunate shooting has happened, and they're still in the bubble, they feel that that they're taking away from the impact of these of these injustices. And basically, as a viewer, I mean, I like to watch basketball. It's been great to watch four ga- four four games of basketball every day. But I can see that they're I can see their perspective of we're a distraction. You know, viewers like me, viewers like other people, they watch they would watch the basketball. Maybe they won't focus so much on what's happening around the world. But if they decide to boycott, I mean, first off, if the Raptors and Celtics boycott, what are they gonna what's the NBA gonna do about it? And hopefully those players have have a way to unify their voices and make it some sort of statement to to, to kind of get viewers to look a different way and not look just at the basketball because if there's no basketball and they're pushing to look towards this, these racial injustices and to do things to help that then i think that will make a big impact and we're seeing it today with the uh the bucks deciding to boycott game five which is really interesting because we're gonna have to see how the nba handles this like i said if the raptors and Celtics both play both boycotted they can't give a win to one of the teams because they're both boycotted right but the bucks did I mean, in all honesty, they would have handled the magic today. I mean, the magic are banged up with tons of injuries. Right. But what's what's the NBA going to do? It's going to be a really interesting test case for Adam Silver because you don't want to aggravate any of the Bucks players and say like you have to play because like the stuff that they've been going through has been really tough, especially when you're locked in a bubble. And you can't really be out there on the streets protesting or talking to leaders around their community. You can't do anything when you're just stuck and trapped in this bubble and say, you're playing basketball every day. That's what you're doing. It's like they're athletes. Yes, but that's not their only purpose, right? They have a, they have a voice, they have their fans, they have their supporters and absolutely they should do what they need to do and say their voice. So yeah, it's unprecedented. I mean, yeah. Woj made that tweet minutes ago about, boycotting game five and i mean we're gonna see we got two more games today we'll see how those games happen but i mean wow it's this unprecedented territory yeah and i i agree with everything you were saying which is why i wanted you to repeat it um the other thing i want to add on is that going into the bubble a lot was being said about the black lives matter movement um with everything that was going on before the players got there and Mm -hmm. the nba sort of backed the players back to the teams with being able to put the slogans on the back of their jerseys as well as their name um, to sort of support all these movements. But now that this is happening, the NBA hasn't said anything, right? The players are, the coaches are in some cases, obviously we, you mentioned uh, Van Vliet, you mentioned Nick Nurse, you go on the Celtics side. Uh, Jalen Brown had some very, very powerful words as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it across other sports as well. Uh, I know the CPL, uh, the Pacific FC coach, uh, I always screw up his last name, so I'm just going to call him Pa. Uh, he had a very, very powerful statement. And then his team ironically went out and won their first game under his tutelage of the season. So it was sort of impressive that they rallied around him. Um, but 
the statements are there, but it just doesn't seem like anything's changed from when they went into the bubble to now. So I think that's what's really getting the players upset is that they've they've been trying to push a lot of the focus, like you said, towards the news, towards what is happening outside of the bubble. But it seems like nothing's happening other than what's inside the bubble to fans. Um, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not, but. Yeah, I think one thing is you mentioned the jerseys uh, having statements on the back of the jerseys that seemed a little bit of like a little disingenuous because there were only pre-made lists of what you can and can can't have. I, I agree with you and I mentioned that in our show too um, yeah but it was a pre-made list with help from the players association to put the list together so it wasn't like totally the NBA just deciding you have to pick one of these like the players had a little bit of a say but not enough of a say in my opinion like you just said yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, it's interesting to like listening to, I guess, older fans, like for example, like you know, grandparents and people born way back in that heyday. You kind of hear them say, like, "Well, I don't want these politics when I'm watching my sports. I watch sports to get away from that." And like, well, sure, that was you, and that was then back back in the day. I mean, now everyone agrees that it's different. It's different now. There are these real problems that these athletes have the voices to make it make a difference and they're using it and rightfully so. So, um, I mean, this having this boycott now is unprecedented. I don't think we've ever seen it in, in our lifetime, at least, Not in our especially lifetime, based, sure. especially based around something as, as impactful as police shootings of, of unarmed black men and, and other, yep. and other people. But, um, I will, I'm surprised they actually decided to go and actually do the boycott. I remember when Donald Sterling was the um, owner of the LA Clippers and he made some disgusting remarks on um, that was recorded. There was talk about the Clippers boycotting and said they didn't and they just wore their warm-ups backwards to hide the Clippers logo. And to me at the time, it seemed like, oh, like they didn't actually go through the boycott because it's a big deal to boycott. But this feels like is kind of another step towards athletes completely and solidifying that they're not just an athlete anymore. No, you're right. 100%. And this was the first of three games. As you mentioned, the thunder rockets are supposed to play at six 30 and the Lakers and trailblazers are supposed to play at nine. I can't see how any of those games happen after what the bucks did. I feel like the, I, like just because the league has been so close, like all the players have been talking so much together. Um, I just feel like someone, one of the leaders on these teams are going to say, Hey, maybe we should stick with the bucks on this one, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's interesting because if you have, let's say the Thunder and Rockets go ahead, is that kind of, and in, is that kind of saying to the bucks, like, why'd you boycott? Like, yeah, why are you, you on your basketball? own? Or is it just, is it all an individual team decision? And what if one team stays and doesn't want to boycott? Will that, will people think, oh, wow, wow, why aren't you boycotting? Yeah. I mean, it's so new. I mean, we're seeing here like Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray saying, we demand change, we demand justice. Thanks to the Bucks for doing this. But when it comes down to this, especially, I think the biggest test case is going to be Thunder Rockets because the series is 2 2. Yeah. I mean, it's a super intense, tough series unlike the Lakers and the Bucks, where they can can kind of have this leeway to, if there are repercussions for the boycotting, it's going to, not going to make a big impact on on their playoff 
livelihoods. But yeah, the Thunder Rocket series is going to be interesting to see. I mean, Chris Paul has been a very vocal advocate of trying to make change. He was initially against this idea of being in the bubble. Right. So he's going to, he's going to play a big impact on the Thunder and what steps they're going to take. Do you think this is going to, the boycotting might follow into other sports? just off the top of your head. I know it's a big question and that's a lot to just throw, throw down on you out of the blue, but. Uh, honestly, no. NHL has been, in my opinion, light years behind the NBA in terms of like athletes using their own voices, yeah. making change. Like this whole black lives matter movement. I mean, how we didn't see people kneeling for the anthem until like our colleague, Michael on Twitter took a photo of him kneeling and everyone else decided like, and everyone else went on top of that. I mean, and I think that's, this is a whole nother um, talking point for another day about the NHL being behind and that's why viewership's down in the NHL. But um, I mean, baseball, maybe I could see some teams do it, especially um, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, because Milwaukee's in Wisconsin. Yep. I hope I have my geography right. Yeah, because of the shooting occurred in in Wisconsin. So I could see the Brewers potentially make a statement. But I knew going into the bubble that the NBA was ahead of all these other leagues in terms of having real change, making making a difference, and having a progressive enough commissioner to be okay with these scenarios. Because we know Roger Goodell, clearly he wasn't – Yeah. Hold on, we're still trying to get the NFL to do bubbles for their their league this year, and they're not going to do it. They're going to have fans in the stands. We already know he doesn't really care about the players. Yeah, and uh, Gary Bettman has been very quiet as well. Um, and we know MLB has just been a whirlwind of craziness with the whole Astros cheating scandal and then the Marlins players testing positive. So, uh, no, but to answer your question, no, I think – it's just the NBA and it's kind of shown how much they have developed as a league. And again, how much, how, how impactful each individual athletes thinks and rightfully so how important their voice is. Absolutely. Um, I, I could not have said it better myself. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of all I had for you today. Is there anything else you want to say about the NBA before we uh, sign off? I just want to say, I be touch here. Like I hope I can see basketball being played up until October, but at the same time, I understand what these athletes are doing. And at the end of the day, it's bigger than basketball, so we have to respect these athletes and these players. But I do hope at some point we can watch these awesome series play out, especially Raptors Celtics. Absolutely. It'll be fun to watch, but if it doesn't, there's more important things. Exactly. To be thinking about right now. Uh, Yeah. Bowen, thank you for joining us. If you want to follow Bowen on Twitter, it is Bobo Assman, right? Yeah, the O's are zeros. Okay. A little difficult. B0, B0 Assman. Um, If you want to follow the All Hustle podcast with Bowen and his three great hosts, uh, you can follow it at All Hustle Pod. I believe I got that right as well. Um, yep. Make sure you follow us at Garage Door Sport, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. 
and we will continue to keep putting out uh, new episodes. So thank you, Bowen, for joining us. And we thank you. It is all next I time. I had a blast. Good to hear. <laughs>